Masks are optional. Social distancing is a thing of the past. Concerts and festivals are back. But COVID-19 isn't over, especially for the most medically vulnerable. In order to treat me for COVID, that would take me off of all of the immunosuppressant medication. That was so scary. When you've always been told not to miss a dose, and then they take it away. That's the scariest thing I've experienced in my life. That's kidney transplant recipient, director of outreach and government relations for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois, and my friend, Monica Fox. I'm Sarah Jane Castro, director of marketing and communications for the foundation, and your host for this episode of The Journey Continues. Monica, our listeners, I know, will be very familiar with your voice, but do you mind just giving us a quick recap of how you got to be in this position as a an advocate and the director of outreach and government relations? Sure. So my story, my kidney story starts in 2013 when I was suddenly diagnosed with kidney failure and put on dialysis as soon as they were able to control my heart function. That was a very traumatic time in my life. And while I was in the ICU, I thought to myself, God, what is it that you have for me to do? And I'm going to have to figure that out because really in the first 24 hours that I was at the hospital, they told my family I wouldn't survive. So once I survived, I knew I had a purpose that I needed to fulfill. And so it turns out that that purpose for me to fulfill was to first educate myself about kidney disease and then use that education and information that I gained to educate others about kidney disease. And here I am at the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois doing just that. Wonderful. And I'm so glad that you got your life-saving gift, your your kidney transplant, and you're able to do this work and that we're able to do it together. Yes, me too. So in 2016 was when I received my life-saving gift of a deceased directed donor transplant from my hero, Milton. And uh, that was in Thanksgiving, at Thanksgiving time. And I have to tell you, it was the best Thanksgiving ever. <laughs> Sounds like it. So uh, COVID-19 obviously is a big topic where it's part of our lives now. It's just baked in. But why is COVID-19 different for transplant recipients like yourself? Well, when, when they first started talking about COVID-19, And telling everybody that they needed to wear masks and wash their hands and, um, you know, use hand sanitizer and be very careful. And I said to myself, welcome to my world, because when you get a transplant, they have to shock your system, basically shut your system down to the point where you're just about a baby to keep your body from rejecting the organ. And so you're we're constantly taking immunosuppressive medications. And those medications leave your body more vulnerable to every kind of infection that there is and every kind of viral illness, you know, just leaves us more susceptible. So that's that's the issue. So it was kind of scary on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, we're kind of used to this. Within the first few months of transplant, I wore a mask everywhere I went. 
wore gloves, washed my hands a lot and all of that. Uh, But then with COVID just being so unknown and people getting so sick and so many people dying, it was really, really frightening to the point where you just felt like, okay, I'm just going to stay in the house and I'm never going to go out. I remember pre-COVID in our office, if someone had a cold or something, that being a, a real concern to you. So I imagine a global pandemic is just multiplied times a thousand as far as concern levels go. Absolutely. Yeah, that used to be the running joke. If anybody coughed or sneezed, everybody looked at me and and said, you know, stay away from Monica. (laughs) Yeah, so the pandemic really gave a, a high level of fear. And I think additionally, because there was so much that was unknown about it. Yeah, that makes sense. So the vaccine gets rolled out. You obviously are at the front of the line as a an immunosuppressed person because of your, like you mentioned, the anti-rejection medications. What happened when you got vaccinated? Did you have reactions? What do you know about how your body handled the vaccine? Yeah. So um, even before the vaccine was available in our area, I had learned that Johns Hopkins was doing a study because the vaccines that they were you know, the emergency use vaccines that were coming out had not included immunosuppressed people in their trials. So Johns Hopkins was now doing a study about the effect that the vaccines were having on immunosuppressant patients. So I learned about that study and I enrolled in it as soon as I got my vaccine. In the study, they test for your level of antibodies before you take the shot and then two weeks after you take the shot, and then, you know, at different increments, three months, six months, so forth and so on. And so I I enrolled in that study, and I learned that I was not developing any antibodies. I had the first shot, I had the second shot, I had the booster, and I had no antibodies develop after all of those. And it had to do with the medication, the immunosuppressive medication that we take Some of it is stronger than others, and some of it fights against the vaccines better than others do. The medication that's helping you keep your kidney is also preventing you from developing those antibodies. Absolutely. That had to be kind of frightening. Frustrating, I'll say. Incredibly frustrating because you want to do what's recommended. I mean... I'm going to do what's recommended, but what's recommended is really not protecting me. And that's all we have. What did you do to protect yourself then in that case? So just tried to be extra cautious, not going out without a mask on, washing my hands constantly, um, keeping hand sanitizer with me, ordering my groceries online, you know, depending on my family to go in and out of the stores and Um, And also keep themselves protected in order to protect me. Um, Just did everything that I could to be proactive and to stay healthy and safe. And we know that even when you're taking all the precautions, COVID can still reach you. And that happened for you. When did you know something was wrong or that you might have COVID? So I, yeah, I was so cautious and uh and let me start by saying no one in my family has gotten covid. 
except for me. Um, and I was so careful, you know, I, I spend a lot of time at home alone in my room. Uh, so, sounds sad, but it's not. <laughs> I have a beautiful room. <laughs> I do a lot of work. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, you know, um, isolation is not a big deal for me. I'm, I'm a, I'm an introvert, extrovert. <laughs> I love people, <laughs> but I love my alone time too. Um, but I, um, in, um, let's see, in late December, well, Christmas, actually, it was Christmas Eve and I started, I had developed a cough and the cough caused me some concern. And so I took a COVID test and it came back negative. And so then I said, okay, this is Christmas day. We spend time together as a family. Um, but the cough didn't get any better. And then a few other symptoms developed as the week went on. Um, and eventually I found myself. And so I took another COVID test and I went out and got a COVID test. So that three COVID tests, two taken at home and one taken at, you know, the local pharmacy and all negative. Yet one day I found myself on my way to get labs drawn and I couldn't breathe. I was totally short of breath, just walking out of my front door and getting into my dad's car. He was going to drive me to the lab. And so then I said that this can't be right. So I called my doctor and they said, come on into the ER. And I went to the ER and the ER was packed. I didn't want to go because you heard stories about the ER is packed because the hospital's packed and there's nowhere for patients to go. So I went to the ER and turns out I tested positive for COVID. And I found myself there in the hospital for 22 days with COVID pneumonia. What sort of treatment did your doctors recommend for that? So it was really scary. Um, because my symptoms had started more than five days before I presented at the hospital, I was not eligible for monoclonal antibodies. So it was really scary because I wasn't sure what they were going to do for me. And it seemed as though every person that came in the room said something different. And all of this has to do with how fast COVID was, was affecting people and what a hard time they were having keeping up with it. So they did, they eventually treated me with um, steroids and blood thinners and one other medication. And all of that went on for 21 days. It was unknown as to if I would, you know, when I would go home or if I were getting better. And there were just so many unknowns. I really wasn't feeling better. But when everybody keeps asking you, how are you feeling? You want to say, I feel okay. I feel better. Mm. But I was really, really sick for a long time. And so I went home after 22 days in the hospital. And my oxygen level still required me to have oxygen. So we, they had oxygen delivered to my home. And I also had home health care and a physical therapist. 
an occupational therapist and a nurse that came in every day. And I was doing everything that I could do to try to get better, but I still wasn't getting better. In fact, I got worse. It turns out that COVID had caused some other issues. It had caused an issue with my heart and with my kidney. And I ended up back in the hospital for another 12 days. Uh, It also had caused a blood clot, which is common with COVID. So back I go to the hospital, much to my dismay, but at least this time I wasn't in the COVID unit. So it was a little less scary. Treated me with antibiotics and everything that they needed to do to clear up the infection that had developed in my kidney and got my heart situation stabilized with some other medications. And then finally I went home and I was really beginning to feel better. But frankly, at this point, more than nine months from my first diagnosis of COVID, I'm still struggling with some of the effects of it. Was there ever any concern that the treatment or that COVID could cause you to lose your transplanted kidney? Sure. That's always a risk anytime you get any kind of infection. Because the scariest thing that happened was in order to treat me for COVID, that would take me off of all of the immune suppressant medication. Oh, my gosh. How did you feel? during that time, emotionally? That was so scary. When you've always been told not to miss a dose, and then they take it away? That's the scariest thing I've experienced in my life. But you had to trust that they knew what they were doing. We've we've come through it. My kidney function is good now. And I'm grateful. Grateful for the excellent health care that I had um, at UI Health. Grateful for my transplant team that protects my kidney as much as I do. (laughs) How involved was your transplant team in your COVID care? Oh, they were very involved. Um, In fact, uh, the transplant team rounded on me every day. Um, one of my nephrologists called me on my cell phone every night around nine or 10 (laughs) to check and see how I was doing that day. Um, my, my surgeon, my, my friend, Dr. Benedetti, he texted me every day to check on me. So they were all very, very involved in my care and making sure that everything that needed to be done was was being done and that I understood what was happening. Mm, That's so important. I felt very lucky and fortunate in that way. I got emotional hearing you talk about it because I, I, it took me back to that time when you were in the hospital and everything was so unknown and it was so scary to think of you being alone and being so everything being so up in the air. And I, I just can't imagine how you, how did you cope being alone for that long? Obviously you had the, the medical team visiting you, but 
you're so close with your family. You have a beautiful grandson and, and a nephew and a daughter and a sister and mother and father you're so close to. How did you cope with being apart from them for that long? Yeah, it was tough. I talked to I talked to them on the phone every day, you know. We had FaceTime and I would FaceTime with my grandson every morning and every evening. And he would touch he would touch the phone where where he could see my face and where he could see the tubes. And he wanted to remove the tubes from my from my face. He wanted to see you. Yep. Oh my gosh. What was that like returning home? Did you get to hug and kiss them immediately or did you have to wait? So, um, when I, yeah, when I came home, we, you know, we, we didn't really hug and kiss, but we were grateful to be back together and be back to normal because even before I went to the hospital, we had kind of stopped hugging because you just didn't know. I mean, even though we lived together and we're, we're always together, we just kind of had taken that precaution. Um, but just being back home and it, it, that, that was just the best ever. Just being back home was great. You mentioned earlier that you still today, nine months after the fact, are having some lasting effects. What, what is, how is COVID still impacting your life? So it's, um, I still have some issues with my lungs and actually have to go see the pulmonologist. Um, it's still affecting my heart. Uh, you know, they've put me on some medications that, I wasn't taken before that I'll have to take for an unknown period of time. The blood clot is still, you know, resolving, I guess. The medications that you have to take for that are, I still have those. So it's just, you know, it's a little frustrating because I'm such an advocate for my health care. And COVID has just, it's really slowed me down. I'm not as able I'm not able to be as active as I had been. And it's frustrating. Yeah. How are you balancing enjoying life and doing all the things you want to do, but also protecting yourself from getting COVID again? Yeah. So that's the trick. You just have to, um, you have to be very careful. I think about where I'm going and who's going to be there and how Will it be ventilated? Will there be a lot of people? I have to consider all of that. Um, I have done some traveling, so I've been on a plane a couple of times. And so that's new and different, but I mask up and I make sure to, uh, you know, I'm one of those crazy people wiping down the seats and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, keep my hand sanitizer on hand and go right to the bathroom when I get off and wash my hands. So, you know, I just take all the necessary precautions, but you can't stop living, you know, you just can't stop living. So I've just decided I have to, I have to live and I have to be careful. COVID is not leaving. 
the one thing is after I had COVID, I did have some antibodies. Oh, <laughs> I guess that's good. <laughs> so yeah, I've had the, the fourth booster and I've had, uh, Evershield, which is, um, it's a monoclonal antibody that's used preventatively for people who are immune suppressed that are not reacting well to the vaccines. Okay. So well, that's interesting. We've uh I've I've done it all to try to be proactive and protected. Has your team talked to you about the likelihood of getting COVID a second time? No, we haven't had that conversation. But I know it's possible. Okay. What can people like me who are not immunosuppressed do to help protect transplant recipients and kidney patients from getting COVID and having to go through this, this painful, long experience like you did? Well, I think, you know, like I stated, my family is very conscious of where they go and what they do and that they wear masks and um, keep themselves protected in order to help protect me. So in that way, I'm lucky. And the same thing with my work family. We are still masking at events and that's very helpful. You know, when we continue to wear masks and keep hand sanitizer nearby and use as much social distancing as we can, even though the CDC has let up on all of that, <laughs> we, uh, we continue to do it and it, and I think it's helping. And so that, that's very helpful to us. Does getting vaccinated help protect those who like yourself who didn't develop antibodies? Yes. Vaccinations for everyone <laughs> helps. It, it helps us all. So, if you know, they said if we reached what herd immunity, then we would see a decline in, in the numbers. And so that just means the more people that get vaccinated, the safer we all are, and especially those who are immune suppressed. What advice do you have for other transplant recipients or people on dialysis who are also rightly concerned, how can they protect their health but continue to live life? Well, I think um, I think you have to use your common sense and consider what is important to you to do in your life, who it's important to you to spend time with, and make your decisions based on that and govern yourself accordingly. Um, wear masks, if, especially if you're indoors, but keep on living. Just... Uh, be careful. Be careful and be thoughtful. Monica, I'm so, so glad that you are back in action. I'm, I'm so happy that you are back to your your bubbly self. And it was, it was really heartbreaking to see you not feel well and not feel like yourself during that time. And I'm so happy that you are back at work and back doing what you love and what you're so passionate about. And I just want to thank you for sharing this experience with me and with our listeners um, so that we can all take care of one another and, and learn a little more about how to do that and protect public health in the process. 
Yes, this is all so important, especially in the kidney community, but just in the world in general. We we have to look out for each other and take care of each other. Absolutely. Learn more about protecting your health and the health of the millions of people affected by kidney disease by visiting our website at nkfi.org. I'm Sarah Jane Castro, and this is The Journey Continues. Prevention is a key part of our mission at NKFI. That's why at the end of each episode, Dr. Melissa Press offers a health or nutrition tip. Here's today's health tip on managing diabetes. Diabetes is one of the leading causes of chronic kidney disease. It's a condition where your body cannot make enough insulin or is unable to use the insulin that's made. Insulin is a hormone that's produced by the islet cells in your pancreas to regulate your blood glucose. Long-term or not well-controlled diabetes can damage small blood vessels, which limits your kidney's ability to clean your blood well. Diabetes is monitored by the ABCs. A stands for checking your hemoglobin A1C and having it treated if it's high. B stands for blood pressure. It's important to monitor and treat high blood pressure. And C stands for cholesterol. Monitor and treat high cholesterol. If you are someone living with diabetes, a lot of the day-to-day management of it is in your control. Here are 10 important ways you can make a big impact on your diabetes health. Make healthy food choices. Create a healthy meal plan or get the help of a registered dietitian to create a plan that's right for you. Be physically active and get an exercise to help control your blood pressure, blood sugar, and lower your cholesterol. Take all of your medications as prescribed. Keep a logbook with your blood sugar numbers and take that book to your doctor appointments. Watch for symptoms or changes in your health and communicate that with your healthcare team. If you're feeling overwhelmed or need more support, talk with your healthcare team to discuss options. Ask questions so that you feel confident in your ability to care for yourself. Talk with others who are living with diabetes and find support to help you. Get tested for chronic kidney disease at least once a year. Stay informed and keep learning so that you can manage your chronic health condition. With today's health tip, I'm Melissa Press, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. The Journey Continues is brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and sponsored by Donate Life Illinois. To learn more about kidney disease and living donation, visit www.nkfi.org. To register to become an eye, tissue, and organ donor, visit lifegoeson.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to and leave a review for The Journey Continues in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, visit rivet360.com.